at the top of Benton Cliffs, you look out over the North Sea, with soaring gannets and noisy kitty wakes, it's where I want to be. Thank you for tuning into Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discussed might be controversial. I want you to remember, there are own opinions, and it might be different from yours. So we are full into summer, just back from a recent trip, but full into summer. Yep. Super busy at the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> very, very exciting. It's, I, I guess it's, uh, I mean, we, we dealt with some hundred degree temperatures. Um, in Europe. In Europe. What is that? That's, it was 40, 40 Celsius. Sure. Oof. And, uh, it, we're, we're up to that same temperature range up in the Portland area right now. So everyone wants to come down to the beach to get away from it. Yeah. So... Um, it was fun to get away for a little bit, and uh, we'll talk more about our trip as we uh, have a couple more episodes come this out. The next couple of episodes. Uh, but it was just, it was such a good time. Like, I didn't anticipate how much fun I was going to have. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into any of that stuff, um, let's talk about kind of some of the housekeeping things. Um, no reviews for this last uh, this last cycle. Nope. But you did have an episode. I did. Women and Birders Happy Hour. Yeah, so I interviewed um, our good friend Karina. Huron, and we met Karina at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival a handful of years ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, every year, you know, I look forward to going back to that festival and, like, seeing our friends and, you know, hanging out, and it's it's always a good time, so I was Well, and guiding and doing all that stuff that we're there for. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Uh, So, I was so excited to have Karina on, and we talked all about you know, she just moved um, to the northeast of the U.S., but we talked about living in Texas and, you know, some of the birds that she's seen on her travels. She's done a lot of, um, like, single, you know, individual travel, mm-hmm. which I just really admire her for. Um, and, uh, yeah, so her drink was a great gray owl, which was nice. exciting. So check that out and listen to Women Birders Happy Hour anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, so we're doing some more traveling coming up because apparently, you know, we have, (laughs) we want to waste all our money. Yeah. But it's not going to be for a while. We got, we got a couple months. Yeah, we do. We have a break. Uh, so we can actually work. Yes. We can do our actual jobs. So we're headed to Columbia in October, um, which is just, you know, a a fun trip, I suppose. Uh, But all (laughs) fun birding trips end up with walking for 15 miles a day and getting up at five (laughs) o'clock in the morning. So. Oh, I mean, Columbia, it's, it's the high, highest diversity of birds concentrated in any, for any country in the whole world. Yeah, so, so that'll be fun. Pretty excited. Maybe we can maybe we can double our life list. I don't know. I, I have a number this year that I'm hoping to get to, and Columbia is going to help us exceed that number. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I have confidence in Columbia. <laughs> you hear that, Columbia? He has yeah. confidence. Um, so we also have the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival in November that we plan to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, always a fun time. If you want to learn any more about that, you know, we have a, like a dozen episodes. Every year I feel like we do an, at least one episode about our, about that year's experience, the things that have changed, all that fun stuff down there. Yeah. So go back and listen to our past episodes if you're curious. Um, we also just got on with a, another bird festival that we've never been to before, for December, which is the North Shore Birding Festival mm-hmm. um, in uh, Central Florida. So that'll yeah. be a lot of fun. Like a popka. Yeah, which I have, we've talked about that, like maybe in our first season. I think so. I think I think we did because we, we drove through it. It's got a really long wildlife drive. Yeah. Uh, it takes like a good hour. 
I, <laughs> oh, at least if, an hour. If, if I'm remembering right, I remember there was there was people standing on top of their cars looking at alligators over the berms. It was it was uh, it was a great time. But there's a lot there. of other trips out there too. Oh yeah, it's not just at the Lake Apopka. The, the festival covers like that region. Uh, and then we also have the San Diego Bird Fest in February, which I'm really looking forward to. We have um, a couple new things that we're we're partnering with the festival on. So that... Looking forward to getting those developed and, and rolled out in a couple months. Yeah, Eric's a little scared. He's like, what have you gotten into, I am to, terrified, Hannah? but I think, it's, I think they're going to be fun. Yeah. So, um, excited for those things. Yeah, so... You want to announce our uh, winner for the Bird Nerd giveaway? Well, <laughs> let's talk no. about it first. Okay, yeah, let's talk about it first. So, um, we... I was just so excited to make the noise. <laughs> we have two keychains uh, that were uh, from Later Z's, mm-hmm. and Later Z's I found on Instagram. Very cool uh, graphics, you know, that they use to make their their products. So they make a variety of different products. They have these, I, I think the t-shirts, are, it's like she thrifted t-shirts, and then she put designs over. She screen, screen printed on thrifted shirts. Yeah, which All I right. think is really cool. Um, I have a face mask from her. I have a wallet. Uh, there's, you know, a bunch of other things, but the graphics are just really cool. Um, so we have two keychains mm-hmm. from Later Z's. Uh, if you don't win, I definitely recommend that you check out their store because it is super cool. Um, but we asked you to tell us your favorite eco-friendly product. And I said, I like the beeswax food container covers and Eric. Our reusable shopping bags. We have dozens of them. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> every, every, every store we've been to, we're like, oh, let's buy another reusable bag. And then we'll, we'll use it for like two years. I feel like years. that's kind of backfiring on us about being eco-friendly or something. No, we, we reuse them over and over. We've used a lot less total number of bags using those than... And they're all made from recycled materials. That's so. true. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we had a ton of responses, um, and they vary a lot and a lot of really good ideas here. Some people also said reusable shopping bags. Some also said, um, the beeswax, uh, container covers, which is really cool. Um, other folks said, you know, their water bottle because they can reuse that over and over again, reusable takeout containers, which I think is a great idea. You know, you just got to think ahead when you're doing that, um, which... (laughs) One of, one of my favorites, though, was the um, the silicone zipper bags, the Ziploc, the Ziploc style reusable bags. That Folks were calling them stasher bags. Stasher bags, yeah. They, I think that's one of the brand names of them. But like, there, we we had like three or four people like submit that as a as their favorite thing, and it's it made me think like, okay, well, we don't use that type of bag very often, anyways, so we could probably pretty easily replace it with one of those reusable. Oh, totally. One of these reusable brand type bags. Yeah, it helps that we don't have to commute to work anymore. That, do, that does help, yeah. We don't, we don't make lunch in advance. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we had a couple folks mention this, but our randomly selected winner was Christine, who said, stream to see reef sunscreen. And a couple people mentioned that too. And, you know, I've heard about the, the reef safe sunscreen for mm-hmm. so long. And I just, I never really conceptualized, you know, about actually buying it. So I think we're going to have to check it out and make sh- and see if we can get some of that oh, yeah. to help protect, you know, our, our world. Yeah, because the um, some of the chemicals in sunscreen, when they wash off of you when you're at the beach or when you're at the river or wherever, they'll go down and they, they contribute to the bleaching of the coral. And so it causes uh, the coral and other other things to absorb those chemicals in the sunscreen and not do so well. So 
these these are sunscreens specifically designed to help protect you from getting skin cancer, but then also help protect the reefs from just bleaching and yeah. dying. So a lot of great su- suggestions on there that people mentioned. Uh, congratulations, Christine, for randomly winning, and thank you all for submitting. Um, our next episode, we will do another giveaway. Yeah. So listen in. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that pretty much covers it. We are at the main story. Yes. So I'm now we can talk about our trip. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we did go over to the UK for Bird Fair, uh, Global Bird Fair, and this was the the reboot of Bird Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that so much in this episode. What we'll talk about in this episode is this really amazing place where you can go see like beautiful scenery. And really cool birds. Yeah, so for an American, it's a relatively short drive. It was three hours <laughs> from uh, from Rutland, where yeah. um, Global Bird Fair is being held, out to where we went, mm-hmm. which is Bempton Cliffs. It's an RSPB site. It's a beautiful, spectacular, amazing site. Um, the whole reason we were going out there is because it looked like, according to eBird, it was the closest place to find puffins. Reliably. Reliably. Find puffins and razorbills. So we were like, okay, we need those two, and we need to look at these guys and stare at them and enjoy their presence and have a great time, <laughs> take pictures and video and all that stuff. So I was super excited to get out there and do that. So that's kind of what precipitated us going to specifically Bempton Cliffs, which Bempton Cliffs did not disappoint. It was amazing. So it was our first day in the UK. We landed the day before, got to our hotel. Um, just kind of crashed for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went over to sneak peek of what Bird Fair was going to look like uh, as people were setting up because it hadn't been, you know, opened yet. Um, so we snuck in <laughs> and looked around. <laughs> and uh, so we we crashed at the hotel and then we got up first thing in the morning. I think we woke up at like five to go out. At, at least five. I mean, there's still the time difference and the jet lag and all that stuff. It kind of screws with your whole body clock. So I, I think I, I was up at two at first, and then <laughs> I went back to sleep, woke up at three, sleep four, and then it was like, by five, it's like, okay, let's just, let's just actually get up. Well, and I was really excited about our hotel. So we stayed, um, so the uh, bird fair is in like a, this community called Ocam, or just right outside of it. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other town that's near there is called Uppingham. And so we kind of stayed in between those two communities. Yeah. Uh, they're not far from each other, I think 10 minutes apart. Uh, but our hotel, our lodging was like, like just, it wasn't that far away from it. It was another 10 minutes, but it wasn't in either of those communities. It was kind of like in a small village. Yeah. So in, in between those two, it's, it's, it's small, very, it's, just, I don't even know if it would be a village, like a community of uh, wing and, it had this really cool historic hotel. I guess it was a pub, a historic pub. So there was four or five rooms, and then the pub um, closer to the roads. It also had like a little uh, store too that had like jams and sauces and things for sale. Yeah, um, which wasn't open any <laughs> at all when we were there. I, th- uh, I think it's because we didn't tell them that we wanted to go to it. Well, I and I think it was also just you know we were like really the only ones kind of staying there for. For most of the for time. For most of the time, yeah. yeah. And we were also there, like, in the early morning and then the evening, not at the time of day when a store would be open. That's true, yeah. We, we would get up in the morning and leave at 6 in the morning, like we did on our, our first full day there going to Bempton. We, le- we left the hotel at 6, so we were gone before anyone was even awake. And then we didn't get back until 8 or 9 o'clock, so. But really nice accommodations. It's called the King's Arms. 
And um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it felt like being in this, you know, little English village, which is <laughs> kind of what I, I was looking for. So that was exciting. Uh, so, yeah. So we got up uh, five-ish, got on the road at six, had our Nescafe, um, you know, which is very popular in Europe. The instant coffee. The instant coffee. Uh, and we we're on our way. Uh, Eric was doing, a, he did a fantastic job driving well, throughout the you. UK. Uh, we had a Fiat because I picked that out. <laughs> our a, choices, a little, a little two door, uh, shoe box that we just drove around everywhere. Our, our choices were a four door. It was a Toyota, I, I, go or something, some kind of Toyota I've never yeah. heard of before or a Fiat. The and, Toyota was four door, but it wasn't very much bigger than the two door Fiat. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, and as you may be aware, you drive on the opposite side of the road, on the opposite side of the car in the UK. And yeah. so Eric was really kind of so, concerned about it. So it's a right hand it. drive car and you're driving on the left side of the road. And you also, the car was also a manual. It was manual too. So that was, that was a little bit of a learning curve getting out of the parking lot to start with at Enterprise. I had to do a couple laps <laughs> just to make sure I knew I was going to shift properly, which... The, the vehicle was super easy to drive. Like, it's, I mean, it, it's generally rental cars are newer anyways. And yeah. so, like, it's, it has, it had a clutch brake. So, like, when I'm sitting on a hill, I, as soon as I left the brake, the, the clutch itself holds you still so you don't roll backwards. So, it, it's, it's got all the modern technology that it's almost like driving an automatic. So, it's, it, it made it easier. Except for the fact that I kept punching the window. Trying to reach over to the right-hand side to grab the shifter to shift. And I'd slam my head into the window. Oh, shoot, it's on the left side. Because you're on the other side of the car. So it's the gear shift is opposite from what I'm used to. It worked out, though. Didn't really have any incidents. I, I tried to make our right-hand turn a little bit too early once. Yeah, you just forgot that. Well, it, it, the, ro the roads are super narrow and weird. So it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> But no, no real incidents. No one, no one was in danger at any time. Oh, we also we flew into. So our, we're sorry, we're jumping all over. We're the place. all over the place on this. Episode. Um, but anyways, we flew into the East Midlands Airport mm -hmm. because, like, we didn't want to fly into Heathrow and then have to navigate through London. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a headache. Training first off, learning how to drive on the right or learning how to drive on the left side of the road in a right-hand drive vehicle in the middle of a big city. Exactly, uh, and also just a big wild city. <laughs> uh, but we flew, so we you know live in Oregon, mm -hmm. and from Portland, there's a direct flight to Amsterdam, and so we did that, and then we did this puddle jumper over to the East Midlands Airport. So mm -hmm. that worked out pretty well. Um, you know, we didn't really get to see Nottingham so much, which is right next to East Midlands Airport. But uh, just, you know, it was driving through country pretty yeah. much the whole way. Uh, so anyways, back to what we were talking about. We planned on getting to Bempton Cliffs at about 9.30, which was um, when it said that it opened. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we weren't 100% of what was going on at Bempton Cliffs. And so we um, weren't sure if there was like a gate or something that excluded us from going in. So yeah, that's why it's, we it's planned said, on 9.30. It said dawn, dawn to dusk is when the reserve is open. And that is completely accurate. Um, you can get there. The car park is open at dawn. You're, you're welcome to go in and wander the site. But the building itself is what's closed. So when we got there, we got there before they opened still. It was like 9.15 or so mm -hmm. when we got there. And they had people taking payment um, for entry fees already. Just set up standing outside of the visitor center. So we, we could have showed up a lot earlier. But it was a three-hour drive. Leaving at 6 a.m. was already pretty pretty early anyways. Yeah. And we didn't really need to leave any earlier. So... 
So we did have a couple accidental detours along the <laughs> driving route because, you know, it's a long drive um, and it's bound to happen. Well, and going around a roundabout the opposite direction and trying to trying figure to figure out, out which, because every single intersection is a roundabout, especially out in the country. Every single intersection was a roundabout. Yeah. There's very, very few intersections that weren't. And so it's like, oh, take the third exit. And then we'd go and we'd be like, one, two, three. And I'd be like, no, that was the second exit. I'm like, oh, shoot. Apparently, I don't know how to count either. But that ended up getting us a lifer. <laughs> it did, yes. Yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. So we, it was like after our second or third accidental detour, <laughs> uh, we were driving through the country, and then we see this bird right out onto the road, and it's just standing there. And if you've ever if you ever watched Seinfeld, um, George uh, George Costanza, he uh, he's driving along, and then he slams into a whole bunch of pigeons, and they go flying everywhere, and they're all they're all dead. And it's we had a deal. They were going to move out of his way. They always move out of the way. And I thought for sure this bird was going to move out of the way. Well, because and, all the wood pigeons would yeah, do all, that. Exactly. All the wood pigeons. They, they knew how fast people were going on the road, so then they'd get out of the way just in time. And then I, this guy's not moving, not moving, not moving. And finally I slam on the brakes, and it still doesn't move. And then it goes, oh. And then it just kind of, like, wanders off the road. So we were like, this isn't a wood pigeon. <laughs> it was... A gray partridge. A gray partridge. It was super exciting. We saw it super close. I did not hit it. I did not run it over. The car guy behind me almost hit me, so that was that was kind of a kind of close. I probably should have hit the bird because wow, the guy behind me probably. I mean, I think he you're... didn't hit me. So it's it, luckily everything worked out. Nobody got hit. And the bird didn't get hit. We didn't get hit. The guy behind me didn't have an accident. Everything worked out. But you with swore. the erratic driving, it was kind of it was it was a little bit dangerous with a slamming on the brakes right at the last second. How dare you say that on a bird podcast? I know. I, I, I feel like personal safety is number one, and yeah. then and then bird safety is a very close number two right there. Yeah. So, Anyways, moving on besides yes. that. Um, yeah. So that was really exciting. Beautiful to bird. Gray partridge. <laughs> beautiful bird. Apparently a very dumb bird, but a beautiful bird. <laughs> just, just stood in the road and waited for me to slam on the brakes. Well, it's probably like uh, the, the quail. What is it? The Montezuma quail or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. That you can like just drive over it and it like doesn't even try to ducks. move or anything. It, it's like people have said it's like a stone in the road. <laughs> you know, that they don't even notice it's a bird until after they drive past it. And then it stands up and runs away. Yeah. Oh, see, this guy was too tall, though. Oh, like, I know. I, I, it was I a big bird. Yeah, it was a big bird, especially with that little tiny Fiat. Yeah. I mean, what, what did I have, like three inches of ground clearance? I don't know. Probably would have totaled the car. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have. So we we eventually got out to um, Bempton, the village of Bempton, yeah. which I, I expected it to be like a little bit more fanfare when we arrived at the location. You were expecting them to greet us with like trumpets no, and stuff? No, not that at all. Oh. No. I, <laughs> Welcome, Americans. You have made it to Bempton. No, fanfare is probably the wrong word for it. Um, but anyways, we were just driving along through the country and it's like, I was looking at my phone at the mapping and it's like, you have a mile left. And I was like, really? A mile here? <laughs> and so it told us to take a right off the, the main road. So we were going through this tiny little village that the roads were only big enough for, you know, one car at a time. I Oh yeah, M- most of the roads we drove on out, out in the country were basically single track roads that if you had oncoming traffic, you pulled over onto the shoulder and they passed you or vice versa, depending on who, who had the wider spot on the road. Well, anyways, it, and then, 
you know, so we were driving through this little tiny community and then we continue out to the RSPV site, which is this, you know, big, beautiful site and has like a nice visitor center and everything. Mm-hmm. It was just totally unexpected to go through this village to find that. Yeah. And then we're, we're driving through farms and village. And then all of a sudden we get into this gravel car park and there's a fancy building. There were some porta potties. So yeah. that was, that was convenient because the visitor center wasn't open yet. And there was a, there was a secondary like kiosk outside and that's where the people were taking, uh, uh, mobile payment on mm-hmm. uh, on a cell phone or whatever. It, I, I think no, it, it was like that little credit card reader machine thing. It's real like small, a square. like a like a square or something that we have here in the states. But it was a it's a really common credit card reader in all throughout um, the UK. So, I mean, I guess it's, that's pretty common all throughout all of Europe. Almost all of Europe has has this card reader. That's sure. I mean, it's there. Every rest of Europe is much more advanced than the states in terms of. Like, lots of things, including payment for stuff. So, like, restaurants and stuff like that. Like, you just... The waiter comes out and brings out the card reader, and then you're you're done. But anyways, they, they took payment right there at that little kiosk, and they gave us some directions, told us, like, okay, well, there's... There's... If you want to see Puffins, it's down this... Down this area is the best viewing spot. And then there's a couple different standoffs that you can stand... Like, lookout points that you can mm-hmm. stand and look. And we were super excited. I, I don't even think she mentioned the albatross... No, she did. Did she mention it? Okay. Yeah. So anyways. Anyways. Anyway. I was buzzing with anticipation. I mean, like, the whole write-up, like, every few minutes, I'd be like, puffins, puffin, 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 puffin. <laughs> Eric was probably like, what's wrong with Hannah? Um, anyways, so Eric paid. I ran to the bathroom real quick after a long drive, and then I just, like, raced down the path. Yeah, so Hannah was literally running. <laughs> like, she... She had the scope on her shoulder. She didn't even take the time to put it on her back as a backpack. She just carried it on her shoulder. And she was literally just like, every few steps, it would be like a little hop, like a skip. And then she'd go back to walking really fast. And then it's like, I could barely keep up with her trying to, trying to get down this trail. Which, the, the, it was a nice little um, paved trail that went uh-huh. down in between in between tall grasses and, um, and rushes and tall uh, prairie species all around us. But she's just like running. It, it, was, it was very picturesque. Like, it, it looked like... Like, uh, like the highlands of something like you're oh, yeah. in, like, it's this big, big wide prairie that then overlooks this 300 foot cliff that just drops down to the water and just wide open ocean after that or North sea. But it's just, it was, it was as beautiful. The wind was slightly breezy. It was still early. So the sun wasn't super high. And it was, well, it was real overcast, like yeah. real cloudy. I yeah. Mean, so the, the, the light, the lighting was in. For photography, but it it looked beautiful. It was like the Oregon coast. Yeah, that's true. It was very very much like the Oregon coast, Uh, except for these chalky, beautiful cliffs. Yeah, which we couldn't see when we were going down. It was just like we're we're walking through this prairie and then this drop off and then ocean. Yeah, after it. So we got to the very first uh, overlook. So I think there there's six overlooks there and. Um, the lady at the, the counter, she was telling us that each one is like about five minutes apart from each other, but it was like five minutes of birding time. <laughs> I mean, like it was only like what, 200 feet away. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. So we got to the first one and, um, right off we noticed that it was lined with kittiwakes, uh, that were nesting like in the cliffs there. Mm-hmm. And then on the right side of this like little crevice, I noticed a razor bill with some common murs. Yeah. Tons of common murs, which they call, uh, um, over Gillamons. there, they call them gillamonts. Um, common, common gillamonts. There was tons of the common murs, Ton- tons, of, tons of them everywhere. And then mixed in with the common murs were these super dark black, just pure black birds. 
with uh, like white lines on their face and well, and their bill is like a lot heavier. It's a big, bigger, heavier bill, and just just these so dark birds. And the that was the razor bills, and it was like oh, so it was so exciting. It was like oh, we, razor. I'm like I'm like shooting like a thousand pictures of these razor oh, bills. I know. Like they have like the just, and like. I don't even know, like, compared to a common mer, like, we, I think of a common mer as a blackbird. Like, I, I think of it as black with white, and these guys, like, blew it out of the water with how much more black. Like, like it's richer. Just, it's richer, yeah. The, and then, and then reading a description of a common mer, which I've never really read the description of a common mer, I guess, because there's nothing that looks like them up on the, up on the rock, um, here, here. in, in, in uh, Cannon Beach. We don't have razor bills. We don't have... I wish we, we had razor bills. Yeah, we, we don't have any of those other birds that you could confuse it for, really. So it's a black bird with a white belly, and it's actually more of, like, a chocolate bird with a white belly. The common mers. The common mers yeah. are. Com- especially when you compare them next to the razor bills. They, the razor bills are just, just pure black, white line on the, on the top of the bill, white belly, just, just like the common murders, except for they're just so much darker, and then with that white line on the face. Well, and that big, just big honking bill, really heavy yeah. bill. I mean that it wouldn't. I didn't even notice this because, like you know, I I did basic research on razor bills and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I knew what they looked like. Yeah, I knew. No, what I was as soon, know as, soon as we saw it, we recognized it. It was. It wasn't like, a, oh, is this? Is this not? But one of the things that really surprised me was when they opened their mouth. Yeah. It's like bright yellow, that, inside. like the gold like inside. Gold. Yeah. Which I, I think I got some pictures of, of the gold belt, gold inside the mouth. I got a terrible picture <laughs> <laughs> through my I, phone scope. Hopefully while I'm editing this, I'll be editing the photos as well, and I can try to... Yeah, we should probably catch up on that from lots of past trips. I know. I have, I have a lot of photos still left to post, but I, I really want to get the, the, the photos of these razor bills on. So we're looking and appreciating these birds and everything, and lots of northern gannets were just soaring around. Oh, um, and, and the, the birds, they're... they're not nesting it's not like haystack rock where they're nesting 300 feet 400 500 feet from you yeah like you're looking down at nests from the lookouts 50 feet 60 feet oh my gosh at, at, at the most to, to some of these closer nests and then of course you can look way down the hill way down the rock to further nests but there's close nests of razor bills and kitty wakes and murs that are just like right here and um so we've been you know researching on uh ebird mm-hmm. like what's being seen there because we were like just in anticipation that these birds are going to leave any day so we need to go and see them <laughs> well and we, we had been told a couple times and i think it was a miscommunication by the people that were telling us that they're going to be leaving that because the old british bird fair used to be held in august yeah and so this is like a whole month earlier so the then the birds are earlier in their nesting so not likely to be leaving at the end of august i imagine they're similar to our puffins and armors that at the end of August, all of a sudden, they're there one day, and the next day, they're just gone. Well, on the um, RSPB site, it says that they're there from, I think it was April to July. So, I think at the end of July, that's probably end of when July for them. Out. Okay. Yeah. So, if we had been there the normal British Bird Fair week, then we yeah. probably would have missed it. Would have been completely gone. Yeah. Anyways, so, um, we were just kind of tracking it because I really wanted to make sure that we saw these species. Yeah. It was, like, one of the key reasons for going. <laughs> that's the only reason we went to Global Bird Fair. I mean, it's just to see it. We could have seen them in Maine too, so that's yeah. No, there's there's a lot of reasons to go, but this was one of the things that I was most excited about seeing. Um, and so we were looking at eBird like continuously, like every couple hours, checking the eBird site to make sure that people were still seeing them. And they were seeing what it was like twelve hundred razor bills mm-hmm. and like several thousand gannets and like fifty. 
puffins. And yeah. so we got there and I like I knew there's probably puffins still around and there's there but they're going to be harder to see because folks are saying 50 of them. Yeah. And so we're looking at the razor bills and the gannets flying around, the kittiwakes nesting on the the cliffside like and two the common birds. <laughs> and I was like, where are the puffins? And so down below us, so we were at 330 feet or something like that above the water. I was like frantically scoping the water after getting my fill of razor bills looking for puffins. <laughs> so I, I don't know. So Hannah didn't give a great d- description yet. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. So the cliffs, like she, she, she's busy scanning, scanning the water, scanning the cliffs, like on a very small scale looking through the scope. And I'm I'm just taking in the cliffside. Is like there's these fingers of the cliffs that stick out of, the, and they refer to them as uh, chalk cliffs because they're it's just kind of like this white rock. I don't I don't know exactly what it's made out of. Yeah, I think it's some kind of it, limestone. It, it might be some sort of limestone. It, I mean, it must be some sort of limestone because of that the the way the cracks are and stuff. Well, but and I showed people pictures that I took, and yeah. they said, "Oh, that looks like the White Cliffs of Dover." Which I mean, I've vaguely seen pictures of that yeah. so i imagine it looks something similar to that yeah possibly if other people are saying that yeah so know. it it is it's just this beautiful picturesque like cliffside that's just a sheer sheer cliff that drops off with these giant furrows in it that just drop straight to the water that that drop, drop back in between the fingers and there's cracks all up and down it that all these birds are nesting in these cracks and they, these cracks some of them go pretty deep we, mm-hmm. we saw some birds nesting where you could only see like the glint of their eye deep inside, deep inside the crack that's in the rock. So they're they're going in there and they're making a nest in these cracks. They're they're super super cool, and this rock is um if if it is limestone, limestone's pretty pretty resistant to um to erosion. It's not it's not like a, a chalk or a sandstone or something that like the rain kind of quickly erodes it away. I mean, we're not saying it is limestone. We're just uh, guessing. Because just just guessing. It doesn't say it anywhere in the research that yeah. we're looking at. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a geologist. I don't know a ton about specific types of rocks but they say it's i know there's three types three types yeah igneous sedimentary and metamorphic metamorphic yeah um but this is and everything falls into those categories <laughs> but th- th- these cliffs were just they were just spectacular like lo- looking oh, at yeah. it and, li- and listening to the water if you could hear the water over the gulls screaming about their <laughs> the kitty wakes the, ki- the, the, the kitty wakes they're they're a goal um Screaming about whatever they wanted to scream about at the moment. Their noises were so funny. Yeah, it was, it was very different from uh, the the Laris gulls that we're used to. Yeah, we when we see kitty weeks, we see like one or two at a time. We don't see hundreds or yeah. thousands of kitty weeks. So, um, yeah, so just a stunning view, and we probably stood there for twenty thirty minutes at that one overlook, and then we're we're I mean. All throughout the day, we had it in our head, like, we need to get back to Bird Fair. It's going to be a three-something-hour drive back. Yeah. So we we needed to really take advantage of the time that we had when we were there. Yeah. But also, you know, really get a chance to absorb it and see it and everything. So um, we, you know, got our fill at that overlook. And Eric was saying, he said 50 feet for the... or. You said like 50 feet that they were nesting away from us at that mm-hmm. first site. It was yeah. like two to 300 feet. And so like we got okay pictures and everything. And it was kind of the point that it was like, well, I guess I'll be happy with that. Um, and I did see one puffin down in the water, like just floating, s- just floating. But I mean, 500, 600. Well, the, the cliff's only 300 feet tall. So 300 feet down to the water and then probably like another hundred feet out. Maybe. Like diagonal from us. Yeah. Um, so whatever that 
Pythagoreas theorem. Yeah, 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 use use your Pythagorean theorem and figure that out. A squared B squared C squared. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so from that overlook, we walked to the north, I mean, maybe 50, 100 feet. Mm-hmm. And we had, we were like face to face with these birds. So the other um, site that we were at, the first site, I mean, the birds were maybe 100, 200 feet away from yeah. us. This is the site where they were like, 50 feet from us, these yeah. gannets and razor bills that were, you know, doing courtship behaviors and like just making noise and being loud. And it was just incredible to see them almost at like, you know, eye level. Like an eye level, yeah. 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 So, so there's, while we we're standing there, it was kind of hard to get, uh, like get set up and get good photos through the scope and stuff because there was, uh, like, there was lots of people there. It was, it was 9 30, 10 o'clock, 10 30, something like that in the morning. Um, lots of people there wandering with their dogs on the trails, enjoying, enjoying just the views themselves of the, of the cliffs. So we walked down back south, back to the next overlook past where we started. And I, I don't, I wish I could, I wish I'd written down the names of each of these overlooks, but, uh, they, they all had names, like bird names that they, yeah. they called them. Um, but that, that next one, which I think if you're going from the north, I think it's the third from the furthest north. Um, overlook. Um, that's where we got some. Well, I would I would do it as the first one that we went to is zero. Yeah. And then the one to the north is one, and then the one to the south is negative one. Sure. So we went to negative one. Okay. Um, we went to negative one, and it, like, it was it was on a finger instead of mm-hmm. being like in a in one of the furrows that drops back. It was out on a finger that sticks out, and so I was like, oh cool, we're gonna be able to look back into one of the into the cracks. And so we're sitting there scanning and there's some guillemots or some guillemots, some razor bills that were super close. And like, well, and murs and stuff. And, and not, not very far away. They were probably like 50 feet and they were in good light now. Cause it, we're, we had the sun slightly behind us cause we're out on that finger. And so I was like, Oh, so we're taking tons and tons of pictures, pictures and videos and pictures and videos. And, and I was still looking for more puffins. Though. Yes. And so like I looked down and maybe, I don't know, a hundred feet above the water level uh, across from us, there was one little puffin just like sitting there on the cliff side. Yeah. So I, I got some pictures of that. I was like, okay, that's as good as I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and it's, it's like, like Hannah said, like 200 feet away, pro- actually probably closer to 300 feet away. Yeah. Cause it's almost down to the water and then pretty good, pretty good distance away. So it's like, it, it would be about the same quality of photos except for the light was a little bit better because you're coming from the top down yeah um as what we can get here at haystack rock with the um the tufted puffins Mm -hmm. so i was like okay i I have tufted puffin photos like this now i got (laughs) atlantic puffin photos like this yeah uh, i guess it's all right i can see them really great on the scope i can see them great in the binoculars and they're just sitting there cute and flooping their 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 flappy feet (laughs) well that one was just kind of sitting (laughs) it was just kind of sitting right i could just imagine it flopping its feet but uh, we're sitting there scanning and looking and looking, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Hannah spots you, you spotted it, right? The the one that was I'll super take credit close. for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was it was it was as close as any of the birds are. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, it's sitting here on the cliff. Like I, I mean, it must have been there the whole 40, time we 40 just or 50, overlooked it. Yeah, forty or fifty feet away, just like boop, right there, super close, and like, maybe probably not even that far, probably like twenty five or thirty feet away. Just like down, and it's just minding its own business sitting there. The razor bills are right next to it, slapping bills, mm-hmm. and it's just sitting there looking around, like. And I mean, Atlantic puffins. I I mean, we have tufted puffins. Sure, love the tufted. Yeah. But these guys are adorable, and they're they have these cute, really cute white faces with like this black mascara line mm-hmm. that goes back to you know the back of their head, and they're I don't know. There's something about their bill that's just really cute, too. <laughs> it's like this large orange thing with kind of like a gray section on it. Um, 
and bright orange feet. I did notice flat. that they have these huge claws, though. Oh, I mean, geez. look at them on your feet. <laughs> Those are huge claws. Yeah, they are. They're but... good. They're good for digging out burrows. Not that they can dig in this particular strata, but. But anyways, I mean, just it was just mind blowing. Like I was just in all in awe. Like I I don't have words for it right now. <laughs> it was incredible to see the species that I've just wanted to for so long. And it was right in front of me, and it was incredible. And then people were coming up and like, oh, what are you looking at? It's like, this puffin that's right here. Well, and and, and some of the locals, or I, I don't know how local they were, because we're, well, we're, were, we're at a destination. They were so, super excited about seeing them, too. They were British residents. They were British residents. Um, they, they, they didn't have an American accent, so that's they were, they were from the region. Uh, but they were they were super excited about it, too. And they were, like, asking questions, like, what do you think about why, why it has feet this color? And... <laughs> And we're like, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a puffin. <laughs> uh, but the really cool thing was Eric was standing at the point. I was standing back, I don't know, like 20 feet um, from the, the edge of it where the puffin was. And I walked towards where Eric was and I noticed this crevice like right in the, the limestone. So there's the puffin and then a couple razor bills in front of it. And then in front of them was this crevice. And I looked in there and there was a puffin sitting in this crevice, like I, in the dark. I think it was sitting on an egg or something. Well, in there. It, it, had, had to have been. it had to have been. But it, that was an incredible view. I couldn't get it in my spotting scope to take a picture of it. I, I hope you got some good pictures. They were not good pictures because it was dark in there. But yeah. I, I, I took some pictures of the crevice. It's like this little cave that's probably just wide enough for a puffin to, to go into. Mm-hmm. And you could see a puffin face inside there. Probably like another like three or four feet back inside the cave. That's ridiculous. And it like the razor bills were being like really noisy and like, you know, bill yeah. slapping and everything. And it kept like looking up at them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it like looking out like, what is that commotion out there? Yeah. Yeah, but so there was one inside the cave and one just outside of the cave that's just sitting there. And it, and it was like flapping its feet and it was kicking its face and, you know, doing all the regular like loafing behavior stuff you know when we did that presentation about birds don't know they're special um at indiana dunes that's sitting here thinking about it now is like this puffin sitting in a burrow and it doesn't know that i flew halfway across the world to see this bird and it got up at 6 a.m and drove three hours and yeah drove three hours and all of this the stuff that we did to see this bird and seeing it sit in a burrow and just like live its life and everything like that bird doesn't know what it means to me. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting all emotional, sorry. Yeah, Hannah's getting emotional about this. So, um, take it away, Eric. Take it away. So we, we, we got our fill. Well, not necessarily our fill, but we started realizing it is it's starting to get late. I I think we were we were coming up on coming up on eleven o'clock or so. And it was like we have got to start moving. We've we have thing we have other things to go do. Um, we were we were interested in trying to find this uh, albatross, this black-browed albatross that uh, that people have been talking about. It's it's a vagrant that has been vagranting for a number of years now. Yeah, like up up and up on the aisle, and it's people are people are li- like losing their minds about it. So it was it was like okay, well let's let's go see if we can find this find this thing. Um, so we started heading south. Um, we started walking along the cliffs, uh, made it to negative two, and then negative was, three. Well, it was probably the... like another half mile, or maybe yeah. a half mile, a mile. I, I, I think we probably went, we probably went pretty close to a full mile south from where, uh, from from where that where we were looking at the puffin. Yeah. And we got to like the last um, viewpoint, the mm-hmm. last established viewpoint for RSPB, and there were some people there with cameras, and then the guy was like, "Oh, so you're here to see the albatross." And we're like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he's like, well, it was flying like 20 minutes ago. 
No, he said it was. It hadn't been seen for three hours. Oh, three hours. That's what it was. It, it was flying like three three hours ago. Um, it's about time to fly again. It's about time to fly again. Um, but it's he put, he pointed out a little uh, a, a finger sticking out on the cliffs, and he's like, it's behind, it's land it keeps landing behind that finger there, and so it's it's back in the where you can't see it from here. He's like he pointed down to to like the next finger down, and he's like, it's. From there, you can kind of see, and like looking, it was like in the distance, the people looked like little dots standing out there, and it, it was probably at least a mile down. Yeah. And we were like, it's not a lifer. Are we really, do we really want to walk another mile all the way down there to turn around and come back and look at a dot of a bird that's like so tiny? And so we're like, oh, and it started to rain at that point. So it was like, well, I don't know if we want to walk all the way down that way. So we just kind of hung out there for probably 15 or 20 minutes, like hoping like, okay, well maybe if it flies, it flies. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at the, like standing there looking over the cliff at, at where it could be flying out of, along with looking at this, this beautiful prairie right behind us that was just full of corn buntings and skylarks. Skylarks calling like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, pippets and linnets. And one of the reasons people go there is for tree sparrows. Yeah, trees, tree sparrows, tree sparrows. Which, th- those, are, those are mostly towards the headquarters area, but like we're just enjoying the prairie while talking to this guy about um, how long the, the albatross has been here and, and trying to get some background information about it and just hope, hoping that it flies out. But it was just like, well, it's, it's starting to get too late. I don't remember what time... Um, like how, what time we ended up leaving, but it was, it was pretty close to noon, I think, when we finally, finally got out of there. But we, we were like, okay, let's, let's just go. We don't. Well, yeah. So we were kind of, we kind of had it for the morning Yeah. and we hadn't eaten all day. And so we stopped. I at was the, starving. Yeah. Yeah. So we start, stopped back at the store because, you know, we had to get a souvenir of yeah. some sort of seeing a puffin, which took us far too long to figure out. We ended up getting this little stuffed animal, um, Atlantic puffin. Yeah. But the store is really good. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there and there's also like a little cafe. So yeah. got a sandwich, got a coffee. Some real coffee instead of the, um, the dehydrated, uh, instant coffee. Yeah. And sat out in the, they had a picnic area outside that we sat at, but there were a lot of people there that were just there to sit and enjoy the birds. Yeah. Which is so cool, you know, that we're out in the middle of seemingly nowhere and a lot of people there to just, enjoy. Just to enjoy the birds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in addition to being able to walk the clifftops and walk through the prairie and enjoy all of that, um, RSPB also has partnered with a, um, I think it's a charter or maybe it's just a the harbor itself, to get uh, cruises out of uh, um, Bridlington Harbor. They take cruises there. Which is the, the large town that's to the south yeah. of where we're at. Yeah, it's, it's the closest big town to the area. Um, or quote-unquote big town. Because n- none of the towns up in that area of England are really like big metropolis towns. I think there. Bridlington, it, it was kind of like a coastal community. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably similar to like Seaside or something yeah, in terms I of size. So. Yeah, So um, it's... It's it, it's the next town down. You can you can for fifty five pounds for an adult. Um, you can fifty five pounds um like dollar amount, not weight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's probably no weight limit. <laughs> there's probably no weight limit. Um, you you can go on a three hour cruise that uh, takes you up to the cliffs, and you go around at the base of the cliffs, and you get close up views of puffins and murs and um razor bills in the water and then the gannets diving and all, all that cool stuff that we saw from 300 feet above looking down you could look at them from down below looking up as well and there's they're only periodic cruises it's yeah not like it's not every single day it's, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're scheduled so check check their calendar you can go to the rspb website and see when they're running those cruises but uh like 55 pounds is 
it's kind of expensive, but it's a three-hour cruise that you, if if you're if you're going up there, you might as well take that extra time to to give that a shot. Oh, I think that'd be fun. I, I think next next time we go, we should we should do that. Hopefully, it's one's falling during the time frame we're there. And it also seemed like the RSPB offered walks um, out to some of those sites. Mm-hmm. We kind of joined one accidentally along the way. Yeah. Um, we didn't know if, you know what the schedule was or anything like that. So if you're heading out to that site, you might check out their website to see more about what they offer. Yeah. Um, so it was, I had just a unbelievably wonderful time there. You know, the whole drive up there was, it felt a lot longer because of all the anticipation and the buildup and everything. <laughs> and then the way home, I feel like I didn't even notice the three hours had, had gone past. I know. Like once, once we were back, once we were heading, heading back to um, Bird Fair, it was like, it felt like an hour. Yeah. Like all of a sudden we're back and it's like, oh, we're back. Um, we did have a couple faux pas, so we didn't see the albatross and yeah. like everybody there was like, did you see the albatross at yeah. Bird Fair? Um, also the other thing was about, I wanted to mention the red-legged shrike. Yes. So I have been following this whole red-legged shrike thing on... Another vagrant to the area. And Yeah. And a lot of people on Twitter were going out and seeing it and, you know... So I, I really wanted to go see it, and I Googled where it said it was at. It said on Eber, the people were posting it at Wandell Farms, mm-hmm. and I just, like, typed it into the Google Maps, and it ended up with a place in York that was, like, a 40-minute away from Bempton Cliffs. Yeah. And so we we just kind of made the decision, like, oh, that's kind of too far out of the way, so we decided not to go to that. Well, and, and people were posting it on Ebird at the Bempton Cliffs hotspot, but saying at Wandale Farms. So then we, we just kind of attributed that to um, a lot of other countries, especially in Europe, don't use eBird very heavily, and then they don't follow eBird protocol very closely. So we were like, okay, well, it's probably just people that they went birding for the full day, they went to Wandale Farms in the, in the morning, and then they went out to Bempton Cliffs in the afternoon, and they just made one list for the full day, and they just put it at Bempton Cliffs, because mm-hmm. that's where they were at yeah. for the most of their time. Um, it turns out that that was not the case. It turns out that there's a Wandell Farms that's like adjacent property to Bempton Cliffs. Yeah, so it's the Wandell Farms is is just the last name of the guy I believe that owns the owns the farm and he there just happens to be another Wandell that owns another farm 40 minutes away. So there there was some confusion on our part about where this was. It was actually super super close to it and I think it was the towards the albatross. I think if we would have taken one of those trails in. No, I think it was north. Oh, it was north. Okay. For See, this for is some the reason problem. I mean, it's not like it has a hotspot of its own. <laughs> for for some reason I th- I thought somebody said it was clo- it was close towards where the towards the south end, but maybe I don't maybe know. you're right. I don't Who know. But, but anyways, we didn't we didn't go look for it. Well, I mean, it it was it was neither here nor there because the farmer is charging 10, doll- 10 pounds a person. Yeah. And we didn't have any cash. That's true. So. Yeah. I, we, d- I doubt he had a little swipey thing for yeah, us to so swipe our card. He wouldn't have probably permitted us to be there anyways. So, um, guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. So, I, I, we'll, we'll have to go find Red-Legged Trike. If it sticks around for a whole year and we can see it next year. Or maybe uh, we'll have to go find it in its native habitat. Yeah. Um, the other thing is we were, you know, going to the UK and they're supposed to, they were expecting this heat wave and everything. Yeah. And so we didn't really bring like cold weather clothes. Yeah, that's true. Fortunately, I did bring two jackets because I'm just super prepared apparently (laughs) or (laughs) overpacked. And, uh, we really needed those at Bempton Cliffs because it was cold and windy and started to rain yeah. so so it, it's just just like the oregon coast like it's going to be hot everywhere else and then you get out to the coast and it's cold yeah so so prepare 
be be for prepared. All conditions, especially if you're going to be driving three hours away from where you're checking the weather at. <laughs> so we got back to Bird Fair, and it had kicked off. It had had a whole day, and it was a great time to walk around and see some friends. We'll talk more about it in future episodes. Yes, the next episode will be all about what Bird Fair had for us, and who was there, and what we saw, and all that stuff. And what it is, and what what is Bird Fair? Because we didn't know. Yeah. It's not like a festival here in the States. It's different. Stop giving hints away. Oh, sorry. Anyways, um, great great place out there at Benton Cliffs. Oh my I gosh. I 100% recommend going out there. stunning. It's, it's, it is worth a three-hour drive. It is, yeah. I think that's what we got. That's that's Benton Cliffs. That's our first day of adventuring in, uh, in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to us. If you would like to connect with us on the socials, please follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram, at We Go Birding on Twitter, Hannah and Eric Go Birding on Facebook, Hannah and Eric Go Birding on TikTok. Also, you can check out our YouTube page. Yeah. I have been posting uh, shorts of uh, animal video, uh, bird videos. So yeah. you can check that out. Yeah, so in- instead of them just living on your phone forever, <laughs> they, they are now on the internet. And yep. you, can, you can go see what Hannah's been doing with her scope, with her, with her Koa 99. Yeah. Um, and then you can also email us at hannahandericgobirding at gmail.com. Um, tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends.